0: Amen and amen to that song and and good morning. And what a wonderful way to start our worship time together with singing about the precious gift of the blood of Jesus and what Jesus has done on our behalf so that we could not only have freedom from sin, but to gather together in his name and worship together. And I I welcome you this morning as we join our hearts and our, our souls together in worship. And I'm anticipating that the Lord intends to do great things um, among us. Welcome you if you're here in person, if you're joining online, if you're visiting, if you're a regular folk, it is good to see you. We are glad you are here and we trust the Lord has something in store for you today. If you are visiting this morning, it's our pleasure to have you with us. If you're visiting with family or with friends, it's good to see you. Um, Let me just point out one thing. There is a little tan card that comes in our bulletin. We call it a Connect card. It's a way that you can share information with us, or you can receive information for us. Just If you look on the front, you can just put your name and how you would like to be contacted and just list on there what you would like to to know about. Also, if there's something we could pray for you about or pray with you personally, you can list that on the back. And please just mark if it's okay for us to share that out through email or if you'd like that to be kept confidential. And our deacons will be passing the offering plate in a few moments, and you can just drop that in the offering plate along with your offering, and that will get to the church office. Let me just highlight a few things before we take time to read um, some verses out of Psalm chapter 71. First of all, I just want to highlight our our Wednesday activities. It's the greatest deal going. You can join us at 11 o'clock on Wednesday mornings for Bible study, singing, and lunch. Lunch is provided free of charge, and we would love to have you join us. If you've never done it, we would love for you to visit. If you're off during the summer, but you're Your school year is about to start. I encourage you to come and visit us before you get busy. Anytime you have opportunity. We call it an adult Bible study, but really it's for for all ages, and it's a wonderful time of fellowship and to gather together. Wednesday evenings, we gather together here at the church for a time of of prayer, and we study God's Word together. We pray for needs in the church, needs in the community, and we uh, invite you to be a part of that as well. Let me just highlight one more need that we do have just for you to be considering and praying about. Actually, two needs. First of all, we um, we are looking for someone to be our nursery um, coordinator. Um, that person is charged with working up a list of volunteers for our, our nursery during, during worship and also just making sure that people are in the right place and we have the right supplies so that our, our young ones are well taken care of and our parents feel confident that that is the case and if that is something that the lord has placed on your heart um you can let me know you can let the church office know i would love to to visit with you and also in anticipation of more numbers um of children um we are in need of children's sunday school teachers um you know we've had one sunday school teacher cindy has been serving faithfully for several months but as we um We prepare for growth and hopefully get ahead of the curve. We are in need of um, Sunday school teachers to work with our children. And so if that is something the Lord has put on your your heart, and I'm praying the Lord um, will put it on some folks' heart, you can visit with me or let the church office know about that as well. So preschool, nursery coordinator, and also children's Sunday school teachers. If you have your Bible, we're going to read from Psalm chapter 71, starting in verse 17 down through Verse number 21, before we take time to pray together and after we pray for the first time in a long time, um, we'll actually be collecting um, our offering with offering plates and so the gentleman will be passing around and so you will likely see in the next week or so our lovely offering box um, pass away. Um, We won't be using it anymore. We're not going to have a funeral for it. I know that sounded like really serious, but we're going to put it in the closet. Let's just say that and um, be using offering plates again. But let's read together as we read from Psalm chapter 71 starting in verse 17. O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O oh God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with a lyre, O Holy One of Israel. Will you join me as we pray this morning? Father, we are thankful that you are the mighty one. That you are righteous. And that your righteousness reaches to the heavens. And that you indeed have done great things, not only in the past, but you still do great things. And we ask this morning, in the midst of our troubles and our calamities, that you would revive us. That you would raise us up. In the power of your spirit. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of all comfort. And so this morning, to those in need of comfort, I thank you that you are close beside them. I thank you that you are with those that need encouragement. That you lift up the brokenhearted. I thank you that you have a special place for those who are crushed in spirit. And Lord, you bring your salvation. Lord, I thank you that you have set apart this time on this day, on this first day of August for us to be here. And we count it a privilege and we don't believe we are here by accident. And so we ask you to speak to us, speak to our hearts, speak to our souls. Help us to see Jesus high and lifted up. We thank you that we can offer you the sacrifice of praise. But Lord, we also thank you that we can give of what you have blessed us with through our tithes and through our offerings to show our honor to you, trusting that you are the one who provides all our needs and also supporting the needs of this church and for your work around the world. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing on those that give. But, Lord, we also look most of all to the one who is the greatest giver of all, the one who gives good gifts, the one who meets all our needs out of his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we say bless your name, O Lord. Help us this morning as we give in our offerings and we give of ourselves to worship you in spirit and in truth.
1: All the glory is yours, and we come and adore you, great and mighty one. God, you gave everything at the cross for the Okay.
2: and sing with us this morning.
0: have your Bible or your phone with you and you want to join me in turning over to James chapter 5, we'll almost conclude our studies in the book of James this morning as we look at James's instructions to these bewildered Christians that in the midst of whatever circumstance to not give place to complaining or doubting but to find their comfort and to find their hope in the power of of prayer. We've been studying for for a few months through James and you may remember from the beginning that James addressed this letter to Christians that were enduring trouble, hardships, affliction. Remember the church is still in its formative stages and persecution is it's very real and it would have been very easy for these believers to have just said, you know, it's really not worth it. It's too hard. And to just give up and to go back to their old way of life. But James writes them a letter to encourage them to, to press on in their faith and not just to study the words of, of Jesus, but to actually put them into practice in their lives. And today we're going to apply that to the specific topic of Prayer and we're going to see that the the main idea that we explore together is that that prayer is a powerful gift granted by a good father to his beloved children that somehow in God's plan he gave us the ability through Jesus to communicate with him and in a miracle that amazes me he uses everyday people now people like me you know and then people like you and if he could use me through prayer than He could use anybody. And probably you're sitting there thinking the same thing. But God gives us the opportunity to enter into conversation with Him, to speak to Him about situations, and to pray that His will would come and take over in situations. And if we had time this morning, we could probably start at the left side and move to the right side and just let each one of you share stories about when you trusted God in prayer, and how God moved, and how God spoke. And those are the miracles that He still does through His power. But as we draw through, toward the close of this book, I want to start reading in verse 13, and read down through verse 18, and then we'll take a moment to pray, and then we'll look at these verses together. But listen to what James writes as he's closing out this letter And the earth bore its fruit. Lord, we ask this morning that the seed of your word would take place in our heart. That it would sprout and it would grow and it would bear fruit. And during these minutes we have together, you would give us insight into the truth of your word by the power of your spirit. Speak to us this morning because we need to hear a voice from you. Regarding this wonderful gift that you've given us, this gift of prayer. And help us to see that it is powerful and it's working. Thank you for what you're going to teach us and help us to learn, to learn it and apply it to our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the midst of almost every circumstance of life, whether it's a, a high point or a low point, it's a challenge if we're not careful to remember to have conversation with God. Sometimes we get so down in our circumstances and we say oh woe is me and we forget that God is there and ready. Sometimes we're so excited and we begin to take credit for what's going on and everything is rolling great and we forget to thank God for his goodness. Other times we're we're hurting physically or our hearts are hurting or we're We're enduring something that's emotionally taxing. And we begin to think, if we're not careful, God doesn't care or He doesn't love me. And so we need to understand this morning that prayer is a gift from God that we can use in every circumstance. I have just four simple points to help us work through the verses. And the first thing I want us to see is the time for prayer. It's in the 13th and 14th verse And it answers the question, when is the right time to pray? If you read through the New Testament, there are some short phrases about prayer that both James and Paul use. In Ephesians 6, 18, Paul tells us that we should pray at all times. He tells the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5 that they should pray continually. And so we find that the time to pray really is any time. During any circumstance that there never is a wrong time to pray and in fact any time is the right time to pray And as we remember that james was writing this letter to christians that needed help needed encouragement They were suffering. They were being persecuted and during those trying times. It's tempting to complain to grumble or to compromise and give in. And James's advice is simply to pray. Talk to Jesus about your circumstance. And he explains this using three questions that have three brief answers, and he really is making one point. And I've already said it, it's not a surprise, it's that we should pray. So listen to the questions. Is anyone among you suffering? Now, I'm not looking for you to raise your hand, but probably some of you would say, yeah, I am suffering. And James answers, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Are you enjoying a happy moment? Are you excited about something? James says, well, let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? And the answer is, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray. Each of those questions describe a a specific circumstance the first one is hard times and and suffering and we all know what that looks like how it becomes easy to blame someone else or to blame your circumstances to complain or maybe just to try to make a deal with God somehow God if you just if you get me out of this I promise I will and you can fill in the blank and almost all of those things become easier to do than just to pray and talk to God And sometimes you may recognize some of these phrases, God, it's your fault, or, you know, if they hadn't done that, this wouldn't have happened. And during those times of trouble, and that can be mental, physical, emotional, the proper response, according to James, is let him or her pray. Now, when we pray, God may not remove you from the situation, but He'll always give you the grace that is necessary to get through the situation. You can think about the example of Paul. He prayed three times to the Lord that that thorn in the flesh be removed, and the Lord didn't remove it, but He did say what? My grace is sufficient in your weakness. So when times are hard, we should pray. But also, when things are going great, when everything is happy, we should give praise. When we're rolling along and there are no problems, it's easy to become complacent and forget about those regular practices of studying our Bible or giving thanks to God. Honestly, for a lot of us, when things are going good, we really don't even think about prayer. It's more like the the emergency phone call that we make when we need help. But in those times, James tells us that we should sing praises to God. That we should be continually giving thanks to God for what He has done for us. Remember, He's the one that gives good gifts. He gets all of the credit. And so prayer is not just talking to God and asking for things. It's also praising God and thanking God for what He's done for us. Listening to His voice as He speaks. But then the third question has to do with when you're sick or when you're hurting. And when you don't feel good, it's easy to feel down and defeated. Maybe you even lose hope. Some people get to the point where they just don't, they just want to give up. But during those times, it's not time for us to give up hope. It's time for us to look up to heaven and to call out to God. And James gives us an example here. He says, Call of the elders of the church to pray. So he's giving an example of a sick person who steps out in an act of faith and says, you know what, I need someone to pray for me. And when that person is too sick to pray, someone else stepping up and saying, hey, can you pray for this person? They're sick. And the instructions tell us that these elders, these mature leaders in the church should pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And so it really is this, this picture that's painted of someone who is laying in a sickbed and people gathering around them, praying over them, literally standing over them, maybe laying hands over them, anointing their head with oil. It's a beautiful, powerful thing when a body of believers comes together in agreement in prayer about something. Jesus talked about it. You know, one power, one person praying is effective. But when many people come together and agreeing in God with prayer, there is power. And so these elders are joined around and they take oil, a symbol of God's presence, the Holy Spirit, and they anoint him. There's nothing necessarily special about the oil. It can be olive oil. It can be vegetable oil. It could be Senate oil. Because the oil really has no power on its own. That power oil just simply represents the power and the presence of God. And these elders are praying on behalf of the sick person. We use a word called intercession, which just means to stand in the place and pray for someone. And when we do that, when we intercede, we We ask God to intervene, to step into a situation and bring His healing, that His will would be done. And then we trust it to Him because He's the one that knows what is best. And we know that He'll always do what is best. You know, it's never selfish to ask for someone to pray for you. When you're sick, it's not out of line to Ask, hey, can you pray for me?" I'm I'm sick. It's actually it's biblical. We just read it. It's in line with what the Bible teaches, and and God uses that. And in sickness or in pain, God gives us opportunities as a body of believers to pray for one another. And those prayers should be any time, for any circumstance, any place. There's no geographic. Requirement: We can pray anywhere, anytime, and we can pray for anything. And the Bible's clear that we should pray, but it's also clear that prayer is effective. And the second thing James shows us is the result of our prayers. So James moves from when we should pray to why we should pray. And we should pray because God uses prayer to accomplish His plan and His purposes. It's a mystery and a miracle that God, who can do anything by just speaking, uses the prayers of His people to unlock His will and to release His power into situations. But I'm so glad that He allows us to be a part of that journey. And I think part of it is to teach us, to build our faith, and to strengthen us. And so, in in short, the reason we pray is because prayer works. Because God is willing and able to answer prayers that are prayed according to faith. Look at verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So again, we have this picture of a sick person with the elders gathered around, anointing all, praying over them in the name of Jesus. Praying what he terms the prayer of faith. So what does he mean by a prayer of faith. If you remember way back to the beginning in chapter 1 in verse 6 regarding wisdom, do you remember the phrase he said, but let him ask in faith without doubting. So now James is calling us to not call on wisdom, but to call on God in prayer with faith without doubting. And that faith always believes that God knows best and does what is best. And it's always willing to seek after God for His best. And so when we pray a prayer in faith, we're praying in Jesus' name. He is the one who gained access to the throne room of heaven by His death and resurrection. We pray in His name, by His authority, because of our relationship with Him, and we ask for God's will to be done. And we ask because Jesus taught us to do so with confidence, with persistence, trusting that God will answer. And when you pray according to those things, the result is this, that God hears that prayer, that prayer of faith, and He answers. And this particular prayer Situation: the prayer that was answered was a prayer for healing and God provides healing for this person. And we have the details there. He says He'll save the one who is sick. That word save means to, to, to make someone whole or restore them to health. It's literally the, the picture of someone who is sick enough that they can't get up out of bed and go to work. And so it speaks of Physical restoration But we do know that god also works to restore us spiritually and emotionally and and mentally But he continues the picture and he says he'll raise him up And so you think about a sick person who's not able to get out of bed and go to work And then they are raised up. They're able to get up out of bed their strength and their health is restored And then he adds this interesting phrase if he has committed sins he will be forgiven forgiven So we have indication that this restoration, this healing is beyond physical. That there is a a spiritual aspect to it. Now let me just say this. Not all sickness is the result of our sin. You can read John chapter 9 and you can find that Jesus was clear about this. But sometimes our sickness is the result of our sinfulness. If you look at Psalm 32, verse 3, the words of David and his testimony. For when I kept silent, and he's talking about not confessing his sin, listen to how he describes it. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. That there was a physical sickness because of his sin that he was holding on to, trying to keep from others and not confessing. And so while not always not all sickness is caused by sinfulness, sometimes it is the result but the emphasis we have here in these verses is that God is able to provide healing both physically and spiritually. So if this person was sick because of their sin, God says that they would be spiritually healed as well and both are equally miracles. That God raises up those who are sick and provides healing. And that God can heal a sin-sick soul. So He can look at, at me and when I confess my sin, He could forgive me and provide cleansing. And both of them are because of His love, His mercy, and His grace. See, because when we pray according to faith, we engage the power of heaven we bring the needs of our lives to the one who has control over everything and the one who can do anything i don't know about you but that sounds like the person i would want to invite into my situation the one who has control and the one that can do anything and we make those requests known to god like paul told the philippians in philippians 4 we lay it on Him and we trust Him to provide the peace. And so we call out to the Lord when we have need and we trust He'll respond for ourselves. But also we get to enjoy the great honor of praying for other people, standing in prayer for brothers and sisters about their needs and then sitting and waiting for God to answer and to see what He will do. So with all those things in mind, James challenges the readers not to just listen, but to put this in to practice. And so verse 13 and 14 tell us about why we should pray and the results of that. But then verse 16, he reminds them again, don't just listen to the word, do what it says. And so the third thing you see there is there's a call to prayer. Verse 16 starts with that word, therefore, which draws our attention to the fact that he is drawing a conclusion. And he says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. As brothers and sisters in Christ, when we gather together as a church family or we gather together as a community Of believers. We have a responsibility to one another. The Bible's filled with those one another statements, how we should respond to each other. Just a few of them that we are to love and care for one another, that we are to encourage one another, that we are to hold one another accountable, and we are supposed to pray for one another. as you read those one another statements through the new testament we should draw the conclusion that no christian should ever have to go through life alone because god created us to need one another that we need to be in relationship with other believers and we need the prayers of other believers but in this verse james gives us two areas that are important confessing sin and prayer and unity in these two things can change the attitude and the atmosphere of a church. It can tear down the, the walls of hypocrisy, of selfishness, of, of pride. It can unite us in a way to experience the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a way that is like no other. Confession of sin and prayer. I think it's good to remember this, so let's just be honest. We're all sinners. No one of us is perfect. And every one of us has a continuous need for confession and repentance. It should be a a continuing part of our lives I'm not saying it's it's easy. It's one of those things that, that we put off sometimes. But when we confess our our sins to God, when we receive His forgiveness, it frees us up in our relationship with Him, that we can have open communication. We can hear His voice. We are ready to listen, and we're ready to act. He can use us in a way that impacts his kingdom. But here we have this example where he says, when we confess our sins to one another, speaking about a trusted brother or sister in the faith, that God can use that in our lives to break the power of sin. Now, we have to be careful. We have to understand that God's the one that does the forgiving. That's his job. We do not need to to go to a priest to receive forgiveness for our our sin. But when we confess our sin to others, we suddenly step out of darkness and step into light. We invite another person that we trust into our lives to pray and challenge and encourage. And God uses that to free us from the bondage of darkness and bring us into the light. German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, wrote in his book, Life Together, Sin demands to have a man be by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will the power of sin over him be. But listen to the hope. But confession to a fellow brother or sister destroys this deadly autonomy. It pulls down the barrier of hypocrisy and allows the free flow of grace in the community. There are certain situations and circumstances for you to receive the freedom that God intends that you're going to have to tell somebody else about your junk. Your sin. God uses that to provide you freedom. A few examples, if you confess, if you sin against someone else, then you have a responsibility to not only ask forgiveness from that person, but to confess that sin to the other person. It could be something like this. I was wrong when I filled in the blank, you know, you can put it there, you know, and you name the specific action and you say, will you forgive me? You confess to that person and to the Lord. But we need to be careful. You don't just pick somebody. You need to find someone that you trust, someone who is mature, someone that you know will not coddle you in your sin, but also won't just beat you up. (laughs) And like, oh, I can't believe you did that. Nobody's ever done that before. Wow. Good luck, brother. No, you want somebody that is mature, somebody that understands, but also somebody that will hold you to the truth of God's word. Let me just give you a couple other Guidelines, and there's certainly probably more, but if it's, a, if it's a public sin, that probably needs to be confessed publicly. If it's something private, it can many times be handled between you and the other person and be kept in confidence. But we should also remember the words that John tells us in 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he says again for emphasis, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So confession of sins is the first one another, and he connects that to prayer. Prayer obviously must accompany The confession of sins to one another. You want somebody to pray for you. You want to pray to God for forgiveness. But also, when we regularly confess our sins, it keeps our channels of communication clear with God. We are able to hear His voice more clearly and we're able to speak more freely with Him. And so James also encourages his readers not only to confess sins to one another, but to pray for one another. One of the most Exciting things that I get to do is to pray for other people. I enjoy that. Um, It is it's exciting to be able to go before God and ask for things. Um, It's grueling sometimes. Sometimes it's a long period of time before God does anything. But I enjoy doing that because I know ultimately God will answer. I said earlier, we call that intercessory prayer. It's simply going in to the presence of the Lord on behalf of someone else. And George Brooks said it this way, when we pray for one another, we cease to be selfish. So in a way, it not only allows us to pray for that person, but it also helps root out the selfishness in our And when we pray for one another, it's powerful. That's why James says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So when a man or a woman who is in a right relationship with God prays, what does God do? God begins to work. And that prayer is effective because of who God is and the fact that He answers. And prayer is powerful because it unlocks God's power. Ian Baums, who lived during the late last half of the 1800s, wrote many books on prayer, and he just simply said it this way, as he often did say things very simply, little prayer results in little power, but much prayer results in much power. And so James gives us an example of how an everyday man experienced God's incredible power through prayer and in verses 17 and 18 he introduces us to an example through the man elijah to show us that any believer can use this gift of prayer so the fourth thing is just simply the example of prayer at 17 and 18 and he begins with a phrase elijah was a man with a nature like ours Some translations just say Elijah was a man just like us. Now we know because we read about him in the Old Testament that Elijah was a prophet. He was called by God. So God had a particular plan and a purpose for this man. But we also must understand that he was a human being. He was just like you and I. He was not a superhuman, but he trusted God and he prayed. And God used him. And it still just is wondrous for me to think that people like us can communicate with God. That we have access to the Father through a relationship with Jesus. That Jesus is our mediator. He's our advocate. And we come boldly into his presence in Jesus' name. And so this man, Elijah, who was just like us, but had a relationship with God, verse 17, James tells us he prayed fervently. And what did he pray for? That it might not rain, and for three and a half years, it did not rain on the earth. If you want to read the story later, you can just turn to your Old Testament to 1 Kings, read chapter 17 and chapter 18. It is um, exciting reading about the story of this man, Elijah, and his journey but he encounters the wicked king of Israel, Ahab, the man who married the even more wicked, if it could be possible, Jezebel. He brought about Baal worship to the temple. He brought Ashtaroth, And God sends his man, Elijah, to confront Ahab. And he declares to Ahab in 1 Kings 17, verse 1, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So he tells Ahab that God's going to dry up the rain. It's not even going to do until I speak again. James gives us a little more insight to this, telling us that he prayed. He prayed earnestly, which really just stacks the word prayer together twice. So if you were just reading it literally, if you translated it, it would just say he prayed with prayer. It's the way that um, the Hebrews would build prayer. Words to make them seem more intense. They would just stack them upon each other. So he prayed earnestly. He prayed with prayer. And he tells us what he prayed. He prayed for it not to rain. And that drought lasted for three years and six months. Now, after Elijah made this declaration, back into 1 Kings 17, the Lord tells him, Elijah, you better get out of town. It says it a little more poetic than that. He leaves and he goes to the book Cherith. There he is. Miraculously fed by ravens. And during this three and a half year time, God does some incredible things. I mean, I've never been fed by a raven. Probably you haven't either. But then he goes to the widow and he provides food for the widow and her son and Elijah. The widow's son dies. God brings the widow's son back to life. Then he goes back to Ahab, who calls him most lovingly the troubler of Israel. There is the challenge and the showdown between elijah and the prophets of baal on mount carmel and elijah prays again and god sends down fire to consume the altar and dry up the water and after all those events toward the end of chapter 18 of first kings elijah speaks again to ahab and he says go up eat and drink for there is a sound of the rushing of rain And James records it this way in verse 18. Then he, talking about Elijah, prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. It's a wonderful story of God's power and Elijah's faith and how this man trusted God, prayed to God, and God worked powerfully. You see, when you pray, when I pray, when we pray, it puts God's power to work. It invites God into our life, into our situation. Elijah knew the power of prayer and he prayed. And we can experience those same powerful results when we come to God in prayer. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I am the best, most faithful, fervent prayer that ever was. But I can tell you that been able to see God do some pretty amazing things because He's an amazing God. On my behalf, several years ago, I was undergoing a very painful illness that made it very difficult to sleep very much. And Deborah prayed, God heard, and I was healed. Many of you probably have situations similar to that, stories where you prayed and God answered. And you could probably say, I've seen God move mountains, not maybe literal mountains, but spiritual mountains. Just in the process of of four years of, of adoption, we saw God open up doorways to provide an attorney, an adoption agency, to just pour out an abundance of blessing, of financial provision in favor with government officials and courts. He caused smoke to clear off the mountains, strikes to break, sickness to end. All because He had a plan and all because we just put our trust in, hope in Him. God does incredible things through this powerful gift of prayer. Because of the prayers of men and women just like you. When you pray and you pray and you pray, God moves, because prayer is a powerful gift granted by a good father to his beloved children. I know how he wants us to utilize it. So, before I pray, let me just give you three things and how you might apply them. The first thing you need to understand and be reminded of constantly is that prayer is simply relationship. I'm not good at praying I'm not a praying person. That's just That's just baloney. Prayer is relationship. It's not big words. It's not fancy words. It's not praying King James words. It's talking to God. Talking to Jesus. Most all of you, I think, talk so it's talking to Jesus like he's sitting beside you because his presence is with you and as you pray you work on your relationship you listen he speaks you speak he listens he encourages he corrects he challenges so prayer is relationship second agreement in prayer is powerful We can see great things in prayer on our own. But when we share something with others and others begin praying, there is power in the agreement of prayer. And the third thing is confession of your sin is essential. It clears the air in the relationship, allows us to hear God's voice, and helps our prayers to be heard. So around those three things, let me just encourage you in regard to building that relationship, meet God in prayer each day this week. Set aside time. It doesn't have to be hours. It doesn't have to be a prayer marathon. But set aside time each day of this week to meet with God in prayer. I suggest you have an open Bible or your phone, open to some scripture as you focus on the Lord. So meet with God each day this week. As you spend time with Him, confess any sins that He brings to your mind. If you spend any time in God's presence, you quickly begin to learn two things. First of all, who He is He's holy, He's righteous, He's just, He's loving and you see who you are, that you are desperately needy, that you're filled with things that you wish weren't a part of you. And it will expose your your sin. Now, He exposes those things to us because He wants us to confess those things because He wants to provide healing for us. He He's not looking to, to punish you, to put His finger on you. He wants to remove that burden of guilt and shame, to provide freedom so that you can communicate. He wants to heal your heart spiritually so when you spend time with him listen and as he brings things to your mind just confess it and then the third thing which will help us to enjoy the benefit of praying for one another is this week reach out to someone pray with them and then share something with them that they can pray for you just say, Hey, I really wish you would pray for me about this, share a situation, and then say, What is something I could pray with you about this week? So this is Sunday, and then I would suggest maybe Friday or Saturday or maybe Sunday next week. Have a revisit that conversation. Hey, you know, I I prayed for you about this. You know, has God done anything? And then share, you know, thank you for praying for me about this and share what God has done as we give testimonies about God's faithfulness. It will encourage us to pray more. But just remember, prayer is a powerful gift from God. He's given it to us as a blessing and He desires for us to take advantage of it. So, let's just pray right now. Why don't we? Thank you, Father, for teaching us from your Word. Thank you that through imperfect words and actions that you communicate your perfect word and your word meets each and every one of us in our unique situation and circumstance there are so many things that are common to all of us but there are certain feelings and emotions that we undergo that that at least in this season are are unique and we thank you that you meet us where we're at God you know our personalities you know whether we're an introvert or an extrovert you know whether we're a talker or a listener, a thinker or a feeler. God, you love us anyway. And you invite us to be in a relationship with you. A relationship that beautifully starts through just a personal relationship with, with Jesus. That when we call on your name, we turn from our sin and turn toward you. That we receive the most wonderful gift, the gift of salvation. That we have new life that we're new men and women and we have a new calling and a new purpose. And that in that calling and purpose we can call on You. I thank You that as we call on You for help, for forgiveness, that Your desire is to work in us to set us apart for Your service. That we would be pure and holy in this world, that as we stand out and look different, as we act differently, as we love differently, as we speak differently, that it makes um, a difference because it draws attention to who you are. And Lord, help us to be honest with you and honest with others. None of us has it all together. And we all need you. So we trust you to speak. To our hearts this morning by your spirit through your word and we pray in jesus name amen so we're here to respond to the lord the worship team is in place um, i'll be singing for us it's an opportunity for you to to pray to uh, to talk to the lord um, you can do that quietly where you're at you can do that at the front if you need somebody beside you maybe it's This is the morning you need to put that into practice to pray for one another and say, hey, will you pray for me? Or maybe just have questions about what it means to walk daily with Jesus by faith. And if that is what's on your heart this morning, I'd love to visit with you about that. But I would invite you to stand together. We're going to sing. And then when we sing, we trust you to respond as God speaks. So let's stand together and sing. much. Why don't you be seated for just a moment? Um, Donna had asked if she could come and share a prayer request. And so I told her absolutely. So Donna, why don't you come in and share that with us and hang on just a second. Christina is going to bring you a microphone so we can all hear you.
2: Thanks. I felt like the Lord was saying to humble myself and ask y'all for prayer. Um, uh, as you know, we came back from the mission field and, uh, uh, we really wanted to stay in Sendai, and we didn't have much time to make decisions about different things related to coming back and um, get situated here and settled in here. But um, so now we're like um, looking for, you know, a job and a home. So we have been looking at houses, and we have like um, two houses that we're planning on making offers on today. And if we would really appreciate your prayers, to, because um. Uh, either one's too expensive in our opinion, but <laughs> but that's the market right now. So um, um, anyway, if you could pray that uh, whichever of those two, or even if God doesn't want us to be in one of those houses, that, that he would help those things fall where they're supposed to fall. Because um, right now we just since that we're supposed to make offers. We don't really know what's going to happen if there's multiple offers on one of the houses. So we don't know if that's going to work out or not. But anyway, if you could just pray that... If God wants us to be in one of those houses or no, none of those houses, that just those things would fall well and that we would be able to cope with whatever happens. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you.
0: Well, I won't ask you to to move around, but if you are close behind um, or close around Kevin and Donna, let's just take opportunity before we, we close to, to lift this request up before the Lord and, and trust him. So if you're close by and you want to just come and... And gather around them. You can, if not, you're free to stay there and just extend a hand toward there. And let me just pray. God, we are so thankful that that in these circumstances that seem beyond what we can know or understand, that you're in control. And and God, as Kevin and Donna have come back and to the the states from Japan, Lord, trusting that you would provide for them financially and provide them a home. And they've began this process of house hunting, and there's a couple of houses that they're going to make offers on, and We're asking for your will to be done, for your guidance. And as they they place an offer on these homes, Lord, they they need a home, but they need to be in a home that's in the place where you want them to be. And so we ask you to bring that. Lord, that you would bring um, just clarity. You would bring unity. You would bring um, just agreement among Kevin and Donna, that they would both agree that they've heard your voice and that they know what you're speaking. And that they make these offers, they would make it with complete confidence and trust in you. And Lord, we are trusting for a place to live. We are trusting you to provide a place um, for them, Lord, for the, for their job. What what you are calling them into as they're back in in Texas. We're so thankful that we have an opportunity to, to join with them in this journey. And we commend ourselves to not only just pray for them now, but continue to pray. And we look forward to the results, to see, God, what you're going to do for them. And we thank you for this in advance. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I want to thank you for for being with us this morning to join us together in in worship. Um, It's already the first of August. Summer has flown by. And even though we have probably August and September, fall is around the corner. Um, And so we have cooler weather to look forward to. And hopefully if the forecast holds, maybe a little cooler weather tomorrow. And hopefully some rain. But I encourage you to just join. um, Stand with me. We're going to sing. We're going to join in singing together. And when we sing, um, you're free to go. So Lord bless you.